Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 Beach. Thanks to the Boardwalk Plaza for being the Bridge Podcast Network sponsor. Story Jumpers, welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast. Are you ready to hear a great story? Of course, that's why you're a Story Jumper. One voice rallied a nation to independence with seven little words Give me liberty or give me death. The Order of the Seven must help birth one nation under God by entering the lives of a unique generation of children chosen to become the founding fathers of the United States of America. Nigel must ensure that Benjamin Franklin's kite-flying efforts succeed to turn the key to unlock American independence. The fight for liberty will be costly, with an enemy determined to give the patriots the other outcome, death. Before they were founding fathers, they were founding children. Enjoy this reading of chapter 24 from The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key by Jenny Cote, author of the five-book epic revolutionary saga and the Epic Order of the Seven series. Chapter 24. The Key to Our Shukshesh. Philadelphia. June 4th, 1752. Nigel shook his head as Cato circled over the city, sighing at the spireless skyline of Philadelphia. The mouse told the eagle, I have grown just as impatient as Mr. Franklin. Two years have passed, and still no steeple or tower has been erected to test his theories on lightning. Maybe they will figure out how to do the experiment in Europe, Cato suggested. That is the hope, old boy, but it would be a dreadful travesty for the scientist not to experience the thrill of seeing his brainchild delivered by his own hands, Nigel lamented. He saw Benjamin Franklin locking the front door of the Pennsylvania State House, having finished his business for the day, evidently the last man to leave. He had been elected to the Pennsylvania Assembly and was given a key to the State House, which he slipped into his coat pocket. Please set us down on the statehouse roof, Cato. Cato pulled back his wings to come in for a landing. Nigel hopped off the eagle's back and started pacing back and forth. Let's go over this again from the top. Right, we've scoured the countryside for anything that could work as a tall tower, and all we found were trees. These, of course, are easy for us to reach upon your eagle wings— but unless Benjamin Franklin grows wings of his own, he cannot reach the top of a tree to install his lightning rod. He lifted a hand to point to the eagle. Although you have bravely suggested flying with metal in your talons, there is the issue of your safety, as well as Mr. Franklin not observing the experiment close up, as it would be conducted by the animal kingdom on his behalf. At that moment, a green lizard went running by Cato and Nigel across the roof, followed by something that swooped over them, causing them to duck. Wow, Cato said, lifting his wing. What was that? Nigel looked all around them on the roof and saw nothing. 
I say, I have no idea. Suddenly the green lizard came darting back toward them, and Nigel could see that in his mouth he carried a small key attached to a string. I say, whatever are you doing? Nigel demanded as the lizard almost ran into him. Can't explain, the lizard answered through gritted teeth. It looked up in the air over him, and Nigel turned his gaze upward to see what was after the little reptile. A flying squirrel came barreling into Nigel, and together they went tumbling across the roof. Sorry, little mousie, the flying squirrel exclaimed with a pronounced whistle through his teeth. Almost had that sneaky little monster. He smiled widely and held out his paw to help Nigel up. Nigel couldn't help but grin at the adorable, funny, brown-and-gray striped squirrel. He had unusually large, round black eyes, round ears, and large buck teeth. I'm Abraham Samuel Penn, but you can call me Ashpen for short. That's A.S. Penn. See how I did that with my initials? Clever, huh? Nigel took Aspen's paw and stood to his feet, preening his whiskers to regain his composure after being assaulted by a flying squirrel with a speech impediment. Well, Abraham, Samuel Penn, uh, Aspen, I am Nigel P. Monaco, and this is my colleague, Cato. Aspen saw the bald eagle and hid behind Nigel, who wasn't much larger than the tiny squirrel. He won't eat us, will he? <laughs> of course not, old boy, Nigel replied with a chuckle. We're on a mission for the maker, so rest easy, little guy, Cato added. I promise not to eat you. Aspen smiled, showing his pronounced teeth. That's a relief. The maker, you say? Huh, that's big stuff. Nigel had to withhold a giggle. Just listening to the squirrel was enough to make him want to burst out laughing. <laughs> Indeed, why are you chasing the green anole lizard? Me and Leonard like to play hide-and-seek and stuff, Aspen replied. He's hiding, so I'm seeking. Cato and Nigel looked at one another and had to quickly look away to muzzle their mutual mirth. Cato's feathers shook from his silent laughter. Nigel wiped away his tears of amusement and cleared his throat with a broad smile. <laughs> I see. Uh, well, we don't wish to keep you from your game. Suddenly, Leonard came running by again. Ha ha! You'll never get the key. Says you, Aspen replied, running quick as a flash up to the top of a stack of crates where he jumped and spread out his arms to reveal his wings. He soared over the running lizard, spread out like a white flying square with a tail. His silky skin flaps stretched from his wrists to his ankles, and he wiggled his hands and feet in opposite directions to control his descent. His feathered tail helped him steer until he landed directly on top of the lizard, wrapping himself completely around his little green friend. Gotcha! Together, the tiny friends started laughing and rolling around the roof. Aspen finally let the lizard go, and Leonard held up the key by a string. You win. Let's play again. Uh, what does the key go to? Cato asked. Some old shed in a field. Aspen answered, picking up the key and twirling it in the air. Nigel stood there with his jaw hanging open, staring at Aspen, who proceeded to jump off the roof and glide away with the key dangling from his foot. Cato nudged him with his yellow beak. Nigel, you all right? The corners of Nigel's mouth slowly turned up into an awestruck grin. By Jove, I believe I have an idea— we don't need a tower or a steeple. He looked at Cato. All we need is a kite.
Field Outside Philadelphia, June 6, 1752 Twenty-one-year-old William Franklin held on to his hat against the blustery wind and looked up into the darkening sky. He carried a thin metal wire and a laden jar, a container to collect electrical charges. Father, it appears as if the weather is cooperating, but why are we coming out here in the middle of nowhere? Benjamin Franklin walked briskly ahead of his son, looking around them to make sure no one was about. If we're going to fly a kite, we need an open field. And as I wish to keep this experiment a secret for now, you and I shall be the only witnesses. In his hands, he held a kite made from a silk handkerchief with two cedar cross sticks. On the top of the upright stick, he had attached a sharp 12-inch pointed wire. Silk twine was tied to hold the kite, and at the end of the twine was attached a silk ribbon, and on the silk ribbon dangled the key to the Pennsylvania State House. Cato and Nigel flew above father and son. This storm is intensifying, observed Cato, feeling the drop in temperature. It won't be safe for us up here much longer. Agreed, my good fellow, Nigel answered, looking up at the angry skies. Once they enter the shed, you may land atop the roof. Why do they have to stand inside to fly the kite? Cato asked. Because the silk ribbon must remain dry to act as an electrical insulator so the current may be gathered into the key, Nigel explained. If you say so, Cato answered with a grin. Science is not my gift. How did you help Franklin figure all of this out with the kite and the key? It took some doing, but the old boy figured out the pieces he needed with a few simple clues placed on his desk. Nigel answered, preening his whiskers proudly. A clap of thunder sounded, and Benjamin and William hurried to the shed. Quickly, help me launch the kite before it starts to rain, Benjamin ordered as he gave the kite to William, who held it in place while his father got the twine ready. He nodded, and William released the kite, which quickly lifted into the air. Benjamin smiled to see his homemade silk kite take flight. Get inside the shed and put the wire and the laden jar on the ground. He let the twine take the kite up higher to reach the swirling clouds. Drops of rain began to fall, and Benjamin backed into the shed. Now attach the wire from the key and stick it into the laden jar. William did as he was told, and together he and his father stood in the doorway of the shed. Now what? We wait, Benjamin replied. Rain began to splatter Nigel's spectacles as Cato landed on the roof. Oh, bother, the mouse exclaimed, removing his spectacles and squinting. I shan't be able to see a thing. Cato smiled and lifted his wing to shelter Nigel. Here, Nigel, get under my wing. Nigel scurried under the eagle's outstretched wing and wiped the rain off his spectacles onto Cato's silky feathers. He replaced his spectacles and smiled broadly. Brilliant! Thank you, old boy. I shall be able to see everything beneath the shelter of your wing. You're welcome. Now what? inquired Cato, ducking his head under his wing with Nigel. We wait, Nigel answered. The wind picked up and started blowing the rain, but quite a bit of time passed with nothing happening. Benjamin frowned. Perhaps this won't work after all, he thought, starting to despair. He gazed up at the storm clouds 
and thought back to God's riddling questions for Job. God in heaven, if it pleases you and in your goodness to mankind, please make lightning appear and cause it to strike my kite as you direct. Suddenly the kite lurched against Benjamin's hand. He looked down and saw that some of the individual strands of twine holding the soaring kite stood on end. Look, William, he exclaimed. He then moved his free hand close to the key and felt a mild shock against his knuckle. He quickly pulled back his hand and shook it. It's working! It's working, Nigel cheered. He ran to the edge of the roof and peered over the side as the rain now began to drench the twine. He could see sparks starting to stream from the key to Franklin's hand. Huzzah! It's working indeed, father, William cheered, gripping his father's shoulder as the electrical charges filled the laden jar. I knew it! I knew lightning had to be electricity! Benjamin exclaimed excitedly. He looked up at the heavens. Thank you for helping me to solve your riddle. While the men shouted their huzzas below, Cato chuckled at the exuberant little mouse dancing on the rooftop with his rain-splattered spectacles. Now it's Nigel's turn to be high as a kite. <laughs> Thank you, Maker, for sending that funny-sounding, key-toting flying squirrel to knock me down, Nigel exclaimed with a jolly chuckle at the top of his lungs. He was the key to our shuck <laughs> Wow, Jenny, what an exciting experience for Nigel. He got to help Benjamin Franklin discover electricity. I know, isn't that amazing? Nigel was just beyond excited. His little whiskers were quivering. (laughs) I wish I could have been there. Now, Jenny, you are a native of Virginia, but you now live in Georgia with your family. Mm -hmm. What brought you down to Georgia? My dad is a pastor. He's still pastoring. He's 83 and he's still a pastor. And so I was a preacher's kid living in Norfolk, Virginia. And my dad got called to a church down here in Atlanta when I was 15. So they took me kicking and screaming all the way down to Atlanta. So that's how we got here. So the Lord brought me here. But that was all part of his plan um, to set me on my life journey down here. So Very cool. And you do have an interesting life journey. Your passion is for God history, and young people. Tell us a little more about that. Well, so obviously living in a preacher's home, it's going to kind of rub off on me a little bit. And I I really had a wonderful, happy childhood. My mom was an English teacher. I have one brother. And so I was raised in a godly, loving home. And before we moved to Georgia, I was living in the birth area of America's history and freedom and independence right there in Colonial Williamsburg, Jamestown, Yorktown. And in fact, our first home was right outside of Yorktown in Seaford, Virginia. And my mom used to drive through the battlefields of Yorktown to get to the grocery store. And I was the little kid running across Surrender Field and down Duke of Gloucester Street in Williamsburg. And so isn't it an amazing thing 
that little did I know at the time, God knew I would be writing that story someday. And so my love for history was ingrained in me early on. My my parents took me to every museum, so I got a love and appreciation for learning how to research. Um, so, you know, those things just kind of blended together so beautifully. That really is inspiring. What inspired you to write the entire epic Order of the Seven series? Because this is a huge arc of information. Right. Literally starting with the arc. Well, we're talking today because of my dog and my cat. Okay, Max. Maximine Braveheart the Bruce, my Scottish terrier, and Liz, my black cat, they were my real pets. And I was having my quiet time one morning and I saw them play fighting And I thought, when did dogs and cats first get on each other's nerves? And I thought, maybe when they were cooped up on Noah's Ark for a year. And then it was like, bing, you know, the floating light bulb appeared above my head. And I thought, what would that look like? And so this book bubbled up out of me, The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And the journey of the animals heading to Noah's Ark, and they foil a plot by a stowaway who's out to kill Noah and wipe out the human race. And because they save the day, God chooses them to save the day through pivotal points of time. So, you know, the first six books are biblical. Uh, Book two is Joseph. Three is the Christmas story. Four is the life of Christ. Five and six are all of Acts up to the fall of Rome. And now this team of talking animals are working behind the scenes to help found the United States of America. And it's a five-book set on the American Revolution. And then I'll do C.S. Lewis in World War II. Wow, that is going to be exciting. So when it comes to the book that we heard a clip from today, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, Mm -hmm. my goodness, you have tackled some fun stuff here. (laughs) Yes. Give us a brief overview of what what everyone can enjoy when they pick up this book. Okay, well, one of the things that I wanted to show today's generation of kids is, look, before they were founding fathers— They were founding children. Guess what? They were your age. George Washington, Patrick Henry, Benjamin Franklin. They were kids once. And so I wanted to show how this amazing generation rose to find their calling in history, capital H-I-S, and to found this nation. And so it starts off George Washington's 11, Patrick Henry's 7, and you're going to see them rise to find their calling. And book one is going to take us up through the pivotal moment of Patrick Henry finding his voice and rallying a nation to independence with his give me liberty or give me death speech. So all of that, you're going to get all the causes leading up to revolution, revolution, (laughs) including George Washington setting off the French and Indian War. But even back before then, well, you've got things going on like Benjamin Franklin and his kite experiment. And so I'm showing the chronology of all this stuff that was happening at the same time. And this was a real exciting scene. And the key in the title of the book relates to Benjamin Franklin and this key, which was more than just discovering that lightning was electricity. It was setting the stage for France to be our friend someday. Wow. What an exciting time period to have lived through, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine all the changes that were happening and how excited, like, kids saw all of that and took part in it. Right. So, Jenny, when you were a kid, did you ever take part in any memorable science experiments like Ben Franklin and Nigel? I can't say that I did, other than for school. I remember making a volcano for science class. And that's probably the extent of my my science ability. <laughs> well, here's a tough choice for you to make. Okay. If you were responsible 
for helping Benjamin Franklin discover electricity, helping Patrick Henry become the voice of the revolution, or protecting George Washington in the French-Indian War. Which would you choose? That's easy. I chose all of them because I wrote all of them, right? <laughs> so my team of talking animals, they did all of those things. And and this is kind of how to tell the kids how, how I do that. The, the humans are clueless that these animals are anything other than little dogs and cats. And of course, Nigel, the mouse, they never, he never shows himself. So the humans don't see him, but I look for those moments where either the humans have to be protected or we don't know how or why something happened. And when I was researching, how did Benjamin Franklin come up with the idea to fly a kite to test his theory? Well, you only get so far that he chose a kite, but you don't have that moment of how he came up with it. And do you want to hear the story of how I came up with it? Absolutely. I'd love to. Well, I was actually, and you heard Ashpen, the squirrel with a speech impediment. I was in Aspen, Colorado, and I was in a ski shop, and there was this cute stuffed squirrel staring at me on the shelf. And I, I fell in love with him. And every time I turned the other way, there he was. He was staring at me. I actually went back the next day and I said, all right, you've got to make it into my book somehow. Sometimes this is how characters make it into my book. And I'm like, how in the world am I going to get Aspen, Colorado tied into the revolution? And it just came up to do Abraham Samuel Penn, Aspen for short. So that's how I did that. But if you look at it, a flying squirrel mimics a kite in flight. And so um, having this lizard you know, and Aspen, you know, um, run into each other and model for Nigel a kite. That's what gave Nigel the idea. And Nigel, in turn, gave Benjamin Franklin the idea by putting clues or sometimes the animals will leave a written note on the desks of humans to suggest things. So, yeah, so it's really fun to help history along that way. Well, I just love it. I can't wait to see what this crew gets up to in some of the other chapters. And I know that the kids are really going to enjoy it as well. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me today. And y'all keep up the good work. Parents, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key is just book one of the five-book epic revolutionary saga. The award-winning book, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key is now available as an audiobook on Audible. The 25-hour masterpiece of revolutionary adventure features the epic voice talent of Denny Brown Lee, who performed over 150 voices to bring the book to life. Jenny L. Cote is author of the five-book epic revolutionary saga, and the Epic Order of the Seven series. She has been researching Patrick Henry and the Revolutionary War since 2007. She is passionate about this crucial period of history and about her favorite founding father, Patrick Henry. Her heart's desire is for children to know the real history of America, including God's hand of favor every step of the way. She is a Virginia native who now lives with her family in Roswell, Georgia, Learn more about the entire series at epicorderofthe7.net.